Hey guys, welcome back. BDC Care here. We're back with our weekly Q&A stuff. It's content. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a YouTube video if you're on YouTube, and it is something else entirely if you are on one of the podcast apps. It's a it's an RSS feed and a download. You can stream it, but it's audio only. There's no visual right. component at all. It's an entirely different uh, creature. It's a different experience. See, yeah. this, is, this is what's funny. I know I brought it up a few times before, but it, it feels a little disingenuous only because it's the same way that Howard Stern used to say he was king of all media Yeah, because he leveraged the one thing, his radio show. He made a movie out of his life being a radio show yeah. DJ. And then he wrote a book about his life being a radio show DJ. Yeah. And so he considered that being king of all media. Well, he was, he had to have been joking, right? Like, well, he, he didn't sort of, seriously mean. I know, but it's still that yeah. kind of, it, it might be, if you give him the credit, because he seems like a reasonably smart guy, so it is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I don't know anything about Howard Stern other than, like, sort of the very basic, Like a shock jock? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, in, in the last few years, he's gotten a lot more uh, toned down. And he's, sorry, sort of leaning more into the, the smart part of it instead of the shock part of it. Interesting. Yeah. The problem with the term shock jock is the part that's not shock is jock, which also isn't, you know, specifically smart. Because not the sports jock type, it's the disc jockey jock. Yeah. Yeah. Riding but, the disc, you know, like a horse. No, I don't know Okay. any of this stuff. Um, I know jockeys. Is that what you're, or is, yeah. that, a, is that a known disc joke jockey. or are you making... I'm just made it up now. I just okay. I made, the, made it random because, you know, jockeys ride horses. Yeah. He's a disc jockey. Yeah. DJ. I, 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 um, it's, I find it a little bit funny that jockeying is, you know, the one sport that I'm aware of where being really short is a benefit. Oh, right. So it's kind yeah. of like the basketball to jockey spectrum for every sport okay. where you can, on one side of it, you have a clear height-based advantage. And on the other side of it, you also have a clear height-based advantage, but right. they're opposite heights. And then in the middle, it's like ambiguous leaning tall totally who cares and then ambiguously being short right so i thought and i'm not entirely sure when you talk about jockey there's the other like the cocks swain on a boat are they supposed to, is there an advantage for them to be small because then they're not doing the rowing i don't even know what a and cock swain be, is on a boat so they're the one that bosses people around and says you know like to, to row like to keep, yeah. keep the tempo why would it be beneficial for them to be short <laughs> i don't understand small as small as possible like what short why? usually because they're dead weight like yeah. they're on the boat and they're not rowing, so you don't want somebody <laughs> big to be dead weight Wait, and be so balanced. Your, but then that implication would also mean that like anybody who is not doing manual labor would want to be as skinny as possible. So are you talking what what type of um, boat are you talking about? So the world I just looked I just googled yeah. it right now while we're while we're doing this. Oh, you're talking about rowing competitions as like athletes. I was yeah. thinking Coxway like on like a pirate ship or something. Oh no or, like, no no. Oh, so, and the, I was like, okay. like the, the one pound can't make the, that much The World of a Rowing Federation minimum yeah. weight for coxswains is yeah. 55 kilos or 121 and a quarter minimum pounds weight. in racing uniform. If a cox is underweight, they are required to make up the weight with a dead weight up to a maximum of 15 kilos. That's and the weird, dead weight man. must be carried as close as possible to the cox, usually a sandbag. So there's at least two different, because when you said, you know, yeah. when the only sports you know where it's an advantage to be smaller, mm -hmm. this is the other place where it's an advantage to be smaller. Yeah. Because if you're smaller, if you're more than 15, 
kilos under 55. Mm-hmm. So if you're 40 kilos, that's 88 pounds or less. Yeah. Then you have the advantage because most they can get you up to add 15 kilos. You can't add more. So if that's you're really, really tiny, that's an even bigger advantage. Yeah. And it's not. Nec- but there's a minimum yeah. weight. But it's not. Gar- okay. So but it's not guaranteed yeah. that just because you're shorter, you're going to be lighter. But it probably helps. There's probably at least a correlation where if you're going to be really light. Yeah. Then you're probably going to be short. But the coxswain, are they rowing? No, that's just it. They're dead. They're not rowing at all. They are literally just there to tell. Tell they're they're facing. Um, they're facing forward. Yeah. Everybody else is facing backwards yeah. with their rowing, and they just I guess they boss them and they tell them like faster or pulling more on one side or something or just like something like that. Like, yeah. They're the they're like they're the, the conductor. navigator. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder. That's. I didn't know that that was one of the jobs. Like you could be on the Olympic rowing team or whatever, and your job was essentially the professional yeller. You just yell yeah. at them. Okay, yeah. I've learned something new. Yeah, because I'd heard about the term coxman, but when you said, "Oh, it's you know on a boat," I was imagining like like a <laughs> pirate ship or something, or like a yeah. rowing ship. I'm yeah. like a you yeah. know like Viking, and I was like, "So why does the guy at the front need to be small?" I was like, "That." Like so he's can't. at the back, actually, technically, because yeah. everybody's facing the back. He faces them, and he's facing forward, and he tells them. Oh, so so they're they don't actually even know where they're going, really, right? Because they're yeah, and I, I wonder if it's because I've never actually watched one of mm-hmm. these things, but I've you know I'm aware of it. I wonder if what they do is they do the same kind of yelling that they do in curling. You're like hurry, hurry, hard, hurry, hurry, hurry. Well, I imagine knowing nothing about it that they would be setting the pace. And then also giving information as efficiently in curling. Why do they say hurry hard and stuff like that? Are those, is that the, I don't know. That's just, just this is the, what that's I just the culture of it. I don't, is I, that a real thing that happens? That's like the, I've watched it. The that's coach, the, right? That's not the coach. That's the team captain or something. The guy, or who, whatever, or the, no, the person who, who throws the stone. I don't know. I don't, I don't play. So somebody, somebody's yelling and the yelling is just sort of part of the, tell them when to sweep. And then when to back off, yeah. when to sweep harder, when to... So that person's calling the shot. What, don't the people sweeping kind of have a sense of that? Or do they not even... Are I they guess just because too they're, too busy, the they're too busy sweeping. Their eyes are on the, the task. This, yeah, so then they're not... Entirely unrelated. Um, but speaking of sweeping, did you see that video on Twitter of the person that had set up their um, vacuum with... Um, they had like mixed reality goggles. They're like either the Apple Vision Pro or the MetaQuest Three, and they had set it up so that there was a region on the ground, and the the vacuum was clearing it out, and so they could see which areas of the floor they had vacuumed and which areas they had missed. Oh, um, that's handy. Can you just do that? Is there a program that lets you set up an area that you can show what's been covered and what hasn't? Um, I I don't know. I mean, they were. I, it might have been a demo. It might have been publicly available software, and then they changed it to display coins. And they're like, "Oh, we can gamify it." And so that's funny because we had different reactions. There, are some people were going, "That's handy," and then some yeah. people. When I looked at that, I went, "That's the silliest thing I've ever seen," because you're okay. you're like going. First off, you're only going over each region once. It doesn't sort of tell you if it's clean. It just tells you if you've literally touched it with the vacuum. Right. Right. And and second off, I feel like I already can do it pretty systematically where I'm not, you know. Okay, so let me tell you where yeah. I would use it. I would use it at the bottom of the pool. Yeah. Because the way the pool is, mm-hmm. it's deep enough that you can't always see clearly to the bottom. Yeah. 
And because there are different, there's like areas where the level changes, mm-hmm. where transitions from shallow to the deep end. Yeah. And there's the refractive, yeah. the refraction from the water mm-hmm. that it's often hard to tell depending on what angle you're at yeah. on the side of the pool. Because the stick doesn't reach, you can't just stay on the same side all the whole time you're vacuuming because yeah. it doesn't reach the whole way. That makes sense. Well, I would put it to you that the camera would also probably have a hard time dealing with the refractive index and all of those other things. I also. would want to try it though. Like it yeah. would just give me something because what I've always wanted would be something like when it's really dirty, mm-hmm. it's easy to tell because it yeah. sucks it up. But yeah, when there's big there's spots a color where, difference. It's, yeah, where it's not that obvious, where there might be like small residue that's still worth cleaning up, like, I don't know, animal droppings or stuff, or yeah. little bits of crap that fell out of the tree. Then Decaying it, leaves. Yeah. Yeah. So that would actually be really handy. That would be interesting and potentially handy. But I think the thing is you already do it like you do a good job keeping it clean. Yeah, I guess like, so. Like what do you, uh, it, it, the idea of it seems kind of cool, but are you going to be out there? With a VR headset strapped to your face, it's going to drop the resolution of what you're seeing around you. You're going to be navigating. If you fall into the pool, you're going to electrocute yourself and waste $3,000 at the same time. You know? Yeah, that's probably not. Yeah. I just, the idea would be neat yeah. if we could get that kind of augmented theory, reality. So, so, but then here's here's what I'll put to you. All right. Right? Because we have the MetaQuest 2, right? When we bought it sure. with the Oculus sure. Quest. Sure, sure. Would you, if that software existed and it worked like 95% fidelity in the with the pool right now, would you strap it on your head and go out and use it? Yes. You would. I would try it at least once. Yeah. Do you, you would try it at least once. Do you get the sense that it would be something that you use on an ongoing basis? If it worked well enough, I would. Oh, for sure. Well enough, just meaning that it was like accurate in terms of what areas you'd hit and not hit? Yeah, because then I don't have to pay attention. So the problem with that kind of mindless job is yeah. I like it to be mindless. When I have to focus, so when I switch sides... And I have to focus and I'm not sure which areas I've covered. Yeah. Then I have to really sort of pay attention and remember, okay, so this seam of the pool is my landmark. Yeah. And then keep track of that kind of stuff. It becomes it, a, a tedious job becomes a little bit more tedious yeah. when I have to be it's as conscious. It's annoying maybe. Sure. Yeah. So if I could just look at it and just know that at the end of it, if I hit all the areas that needed to be touched on and the augmented reality of whatever headset I'm wearing tells me that it's done, then I'm happy with that. Well, I'm actually, I'm kind of glad that we brought it up. I brought it up now that we have different opinions about it. Cause I looked at that and I was like, that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Dumb. I would never, well, I, I wouldn't use cool. that term, but I was like, I would not use that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would not use the product. Okay. Anyways, um, a little later than we normally get to talking about okay. it. Do you want to talk about the team that we're looking at? So or the just, character? just a reminder, season 11 is the season of Lost Challenge characters. So this is going to be one of the first seasons where we're going to have a definite end because we have a target in mind of hitting all the challenge characters who have not been in the rotation since May 2020. And the funny thing is, I was going to say a definite beginning and an end, but we don't have a definite beginning and an end because um, the beginning was actually the end of season 10. Right? Because uh, we did Injustice 2 Aquaman before we knew it was going to be a thing that we knew we would stick with it. And then when we got our motivation to actually do it, it was the next season, but it was episode two. That's why the numbering is so funky, Mm -hmm. which I like. And I guess technically there was Injustice 2 Superman, which we did in season 10 also towards the end of season 10. But this Before is this is the kind of bookkeeping that probably very few people care about. So yeah, in terms right, of the actual enough. team that we're looking at. <laughs> all right, so this is um, Arkham Origins Deathstroke, and his 
passive is Elite Soldier. Reaching 200% damage on point blank special makes it unblockable and automatically crit. Bonus 8% damage per promotion. His health is 1200. His attack is 1050. Mm -hmm. So decent stats. When he was released, he already had actually among the highest stats. It was pretty top tier. Yeah. And it's funny how it feels like, like the way they, they set up the grammar, the, the structure of the sentence, it's supposed to be two different abilities, yeah. but it's actually, in my mind, three different abilities. One, his special one becomes unblockable if you hit 200%. Mm-hmm. Two, his special one is automatically crit damage if you hit 200%. To me, those are two different things. Yeah. And three, there's an 8% bonus damage per promotion. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the few passives that really essentially changes the, the base stats of a character. So, like, the the attack on the card is different from the functional sort of base stats once they're promoted. Wonder Woman 300. That's true. And there's other... Arkham, or animated Harley Quinn. Yeah, so there's there's a couple. Yeah. Uh, because most other stuff, uh, sometimes, you know, you think about... Um, oh, my God, we just talked about him. He's the guy who makes bronzes um, stronger, 300% stronger. Dark side. Dark side. Dark side. Um, Dark side, you know can make people's base stats appear higher in a way that matters for like online battles but this is something that is like permanently tied to the character and that you can't really you know choose to use or not it does it to himself dark side does it to other people yeah right so effectively so that 1050 attack at elite seven that attack that base stat becomes 1638 Mm -hmm. which is pretty spectacular at elite 10 it would be 1890 which is massively high yeah and so the interesting thing is that I used to believe, or we used to believe, that the increase of base stats, whether it's passive or gears, would count against you in the multiplayer calculation that decides how tough your opponents are, the matchmaking. Yeah. And thanks to the scholarship of... They've got a couple different tags, but in Reddit where they posted this... Uh, MTGY245, we now know that it doesn't. So this is really a huge advantage when you are in multiplayer because it means that your early matchups, you have a huge advantage mm-hmm. uh, in in overall base stats, If especially if this is your strongest and your main attack guy. Yeah, for sure. So the funny thing is, uh, a lot of people may not know this if they didn't play when he was first released. When he was first released and you were facing him on the defensive team the AI would always get 200% if he did a special one against you. Yeah. And it was a hairy few weeks in multiplayer before they fixed that. You would not believe the gnashing of teeth in the forums about how it was broken. He was just too powerful that they, you know, it's the same thing that happened when I think killer frost was released and she would tag in way faster than anybody expected. So the rhythms for everybody and the expectations were all off so that people were getting, um, a little burnt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're finding fighting a little bit more of a challenge. And I think that's, among other things, that kind of event where you get a new character, does a huge amount of damage on Special 1. That's one of the influences that have sort of pushed us towards always leaning towards offense, I think. Yeah. Right? Because you have a better chance of winning if you knock him out before you can do a Special 1. And there's not a huge amount that you can do to you know, disarm somebody like that, right? Like, eventually right. you're going to make a mistake. You're going to get hit unblocked. Right. 
right? And there's only so much you can do in terms of gearing yourself up to be like a tank. I think the point is it's unblockable. That's true. So if he gets 200%, you're just taking, you're eating not only the full special one damage, it's 100% crit chance. Yeah. So that, the only, the only solution is not, you can't make your tank any better. They're going to eat it and they're going to take a huge amount of damage. You really have to just knock them out before you can do a special one. Mm-hmm. So, along with that, though, his special two is pretty good. It's multi-hit. Um, there's enough hits that you don't have to worry too much about how many of them miss if you're waiting for the transition between the knocked out opponent and the next opponent coming in. And even though they aren't all equal damage, none of them are very weak hits. So that means he's got a really good ability for handling a special dodger like Dawn of Justice Batman or Wally West. Um, it's a really effective strategy to start a special two on a weakened opponent, and the finishing hits can be enough to knock out the next person tagging in. And as a bonus, after we finish our, our audio, I'm going to put some footage right at the end of this video showing exactly that with um, Arkham Origins Deathstroke taking out Wally West mm-hmm. as the opponent tagging in on the tail end of a special two. It's that powerful. And it's, I mean, he, when he was first released, everybody wanted him. Everybody was using him in multiplayer because he was really that good. I guess the, the only real not so obvious downside is that gears only boost his actual base damage stat and not his boosted damage stat. You still get the boost, but as a percentage of his damage, it becomes effectively less, right? So it's like gears. Mm-hmm. Gears don't stack the same way where they don't multiply against each other. They just add up. Yeah. And it's that kind of thing. So you're just adding up to his original 1050 base stat. So you're bo- boosting 1050 and not, say, the Elite 7, 16, 38, mm-hmm. right? So teammates that are really good. Arkham Harley Quinn is a really great teammate for the chance at an unblockable special two. Because he has so many hits, you are pretty much guaranteed that some of it will be unblockable, that you will knock them back and knock them down no matter what. It's just a question of if they block, how much of da- how much damage are you doing? Because it's how many of the hits will actually be unblockable after the first one triggers. Mm-hmm. A better teammate, though, I mean, if you're going to go full Arkham, you don't have to make this kind of choice. But I think because Hawkgirl is so good and we're trying to highlight how good Deathstroke is... We want to, we've got to have a really compelling reason not to have Hawkgirl on the team. So Hawkgirl is one teammate. We got one more slot. Arkham Knight Batgirl. She saves him from getting knocked out once. And aside from how strong she is as just her own player, right? By stacking stun damage with Cloak of Destiny and Necron Scythe. And she gets the automatic stun when she saves her teammate. She also makes Deathstroke stronger. So he gets at least one more chance to tag in and drop a special after he should have been knocked out. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're watching here, why that works so well, because Deathstroke is good. And man, it's Mm -hmm. even in the current meta where stuff has changed. I mean, he used to be so good as a basic damage dealer, too, because he's like all the Deathstroke. He has the extra combo under hits. For sure. But the current meta doesn't really favor leaning too much on basic attacks. It's true. It, it's really special or nothing. It's just, it's hard to justify anything else, especially with the ability to sort of refund your power in such a broad set of scenarios right, right. that you can really just, most of the time you're playing right, just hammer them with specials for like right. most of the fight. Right. Yeah. 
Anyways, our first question of the week, only 20 minutes in to our Q&A. Yikes, okay. Uh, Cameron1072 says, Just double-checked in Necron Scythe Boost does work for other characters when you use Silver uh, Green Arrows Freeze. I believe Prime Superman is the only other case of a freeze applying at the end of a special, but I haven't used him enough to know if it works with him. And then also, yes, I'm the same Cameron107 from before. YouTube changed a bunch of people's names for whatever reason, me included. Mm -hmm. So... That's that's useful to know. Okay. Uh, both of those things are actually useful to know. We appreciate both the right. testing right. and the... Yeah. So I think it, this might be our bias showing again because we've been playing for so long. I remember that when it was first released, there are characters that were frozen on the screen where you did not get the bonus. And I wonder if that's something that they fixed, that it was originally programmed yeah. wrong. So it's probably worth checking, I guess, if there were a character that I was tempted to use. Maybe, maybe Superman. Yeah. I might be tempted to use Superman Prime, but I'm not... I guess we don't play enough of the silver because the main characters, the main golds that have the freeze typically have it in their special two, like in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. So um, Killer Frost, I think, uh, Godfall Superman, yeah, and who else? Oh, isn't there one I can't Superman remember. that freezes in the middle of a special, like Prison Superman or something with his special two? Godfall Superman does. Godfall Superman, that's who it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but no, th yeah, thanks for checking. And uh, I, I wonder what happened with YouTube. They, they, they didn't change our name, right? Um, yeah, it's been different, right? I know uh, there was a point where it, there was it was Google Plus integrations, right? Oh, so um, they just added numbers because they, they had too many people? And they well, for the Google Plus integrations, I think it was like mostly just like people's actual names. And one of the things that like at, that you set... Yeah. And one of the things that happened with that is because they were tied to accounts, like social media accounts, you could have multiple people with the exact same uh, name, right? Because mm. it was just like, uh, by default, it was like first name, last name. So you would have, I'm trying to think of like, one example is you could have people like impersonate people. So you could have your name be like Mark Zuckerberg or whatever, right? right? right. Um, and then I think they like have backed out of that but it's associated with your gmail so i still think by default you know it'll assign you like a a name right away right and you know i know you have the option to make secondary like youtube accounts associated with the same account right so i don't know if you can like modify your youtube account information um on your primary but i know a hundred percent for sure that you can make a brand new one with whatever mm -hmm. sort of branding you want whenever. Right. Um, so I, I, there's at least a workaround, although that would be pretty annoying if you have like all your subscriptions and stuff on one. Um, I guess that's also something where you could theoretically maintain multiple YouTube accounts for your different watch moves, right? If you had like, for example, like a kid, right, that you play like a lot of like music for or whatever, and you mm -hmm. weren't on like the YouTube kids app for whatever reason, maybe sometimes you watch, you know, stuff like our content, which is, I don't even know, it's gaming content, but it's also kind of just yammering content, just yes. people talking. Yes. And then sometimes maybe you want to watch like, I don't know, like music videos and you could have different feeds essentially that you curated for yourself with multiple accounts. Right. It's just just a random thought that occurred to me as something mm. some somebody might want to do, but probably almost everybody would find too much work to be worthwhile. Right, right. right. Uh, but yeah, so good good to know, and uh, thanks for the uh, research, the the on the ground reporting, Cameron. Yeah, so it's probably worth. I mean, this is this is one of the dangers of having a channel for so, as long as we have. That sometimes the things that we take for granted as knowledge yeah. it evolves over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
which is why it's important to be a little bit humble and uh, not incredibly confident unless you are incredibly confident. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so our next comment comes from uh, Aurelian6820, uh, and they said, I had a problem last season. I didn't get my season awards. Does anyone know how to solve this problem? And then somebody else, uh, Enzo Machette, uh, 9043 says, same with me. I finished in top 4% and didn't get Deathstroke. Uh, and we had commented. Uh, right, but I, I think it's worth repeating for Because mm-hmm. it's one of those problems where if you wait until you have the problem before you try to figure out what to do with it, often the solution is already passed you by because the it's window of late. using it. It's too late. Yeah, the window of... of uh, fixing things is, is passed you by. So we linked it in the comment. We're going to link it in the description too, but it's a Reddit thread that talks about what's probably happened and what you should do to have a chance of saving your season before you've actually lost the character that you want to get. Yeah. And you actually have to do it. Uh, it's basically better the sooner after you realize it's happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know what it's to me, it's like, it's very much like the the um, the promotion glitch. Yeah. Where you can wait until the circumstances happen. At least when, when it was still possible, when the circumstances would come up, you need to know ahead of time because yeah. then you had to quickly take advantage of it. Because it used to happen seemingly by accident every once in a while. Right. And it would last maybe... The first night lasted for a week, then it just lasted for a few days, and then a couple days and then one day and then it just stopped. Yeah. But while it was happening, it was when the, the circumstances were right, you could do it, but you'd have to be prepared and ready to really sort of quickly jump on it. Cause it might be gone in an hour. Yeah. You'd have to learn how to recognize it and then take advantage of it. And right. this is kind of the same with the opposite yeah. where something might be about to go wrong and really your best chance is to recognize it as it's happening and not afterwards and then do something about it right, right away. Right. And so to at least know to look, there's like, um, there was that like Reddit post that was really popular um, and well known, and it was like about what to do if you won the lottery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that it was formatted was essentially like you've won the lottery, you're screwed. Here's why you're screwed. You know, right. this is what percentage of people have like lost all their money that, from their winnings in the next right. x amount of years. This is that, and so saying, you know, what you want to do is you know, hire like a financial advisor, find like this type right. of one, do all these things before you tell people you've won. Right. Here's, you know, what people are going to say to you. Here's whatever. So that one. And so I think, you know, uh, people, part of the reason why it's popular is because it, it's a compelling sort of narrative storytelling that also, that also is structured like a guide. It's sort of like an right. interesting, uh, you know, read, even if you're never going to win the lottery, which right. most people aren't. Right. right. Uh, but then also, it's one of those things where if you ever buy lottery tickets, uh, you have no reason not to save it, right? Because right. it's supposed to be advice for people that you need to know basically as soon as you win the lottery. It needs to, if it ever happens, you want that in the back of your head before anything else happens, right? You right. want to go back to the thing that is telling you how to maximize your chances of, you know, financial solvency and independence and, uh, you know, sort of successful and positive outcomes. Right. So you got to keep that in the back of your head. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Anyways. Got time for one more, I think? Uh, I think this is actually a good time to wrap it up. Okay. Yeah. I got, I, I, as a teaser, um, it's the next one is going to be an interesting question that makes, that, that touches on a lot of things about the bigger picture kind of stuff mm-hmm. and less specific technical issues. Yeah. Cause I want to give it its proper time to sort of talk Fair about enough. it a little yep. bit. Yeah. Yeah. So to finish up, we'd like to give a huge thank you to our lovely 
patrons on Patreon. That is Michael DeVries, Irvin Ruiz, Hoshi127, Nora Klimek, who are supporting us on the credited level, and a number of people who you see on the screen who have been generous enough to support us at some point during the pandemic. Yeah, so there you go. Thank you so much for your support, and thanks so much to all of you for watching. We'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.